Welcome to your sanity safe space with your favorite YouTube podcast duo, or at least one of them. It kinda depends, and probably some rando too. But no complaining, cause this is free. Free! This is Beauty and the Beta bonus audio content. Hello and welcome to the show. This week, I sat down for a live stream with my friend Ranthony. He's a college student who runs his own YouTube channel who I found a few months back through Bearing, and it's been my pleasure to get to know him. He is smart, he's a funny young man, he's got a good head on his shoulders, and I hope you'll give him a visit if you like what you hear from him. We did stream this discussion via Google Hangouts, which isn't the pinnacle of technology, unfortunately, so there are some moments where the stream cuts out and comes back. I apologize for those intermittent delays. Thanks, as always, for supporting the show. Hope to catch you for Beauty and the Beta Live. That's every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. Till then, enjoy. I already warned everybody that I might fanboy it up a little bit because I like Skag so much. <laughs> so I'm really excited to have you. Well, that was just awesome. Well, great. I can prove that I am uh, just a nobody doing nothing with a microphone. That That will be my goal over the next hour or two that we talk. To eliminate any fanboying that might arise and prove there it as unjustifiable. I'm having issues. That's okay. I always have issues. Is something going on technically? Oh, or... Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're, um, your Other than that, it's okay. Audio and video are kind of desynced, but it's not too bad. Oh, Lord. Yeah, well, that's that's what happens when you have you know cheap equipment. Looks good now. Well, we're off to an awesome start. <laughs> hey, you know what? Hangouts wouldn't be hangouts if you didn't have technical problems everywhere. Yeah, and it's not sure. just hangouts, though. Let me oh, uh, Lordy. tweet out the show again. Get some people in here. Got red alert. Who's the other guy? Well, I don't know who he's talking to. He's talking to me or he's talking to you? See, you're the more recognizable one. I don't know. I don't. I don't have the chat open. I kind of thought. I don't know if I'm supposed to be. I, I leave that up to you. You you get to be chat oh. moderator and chat monitor on your show. Well, you know, I I typically don't moderate the chat. I think I've maybe uh, I've maybe blocked one person. Yeah. I, you know, I don't. I don't. I'm not big on that. Yeah. Uh, so Skag is part of the Beauty and the Beta podcast, which is with Blonde and Lily of the Beast question for you that i wanted to know the answer to if you're yeah. a beta what the fuck does that make me oh i don't know i mean it's kind of um the the name of the show is sort of an inside gag um i mean people people have called me like a beta male or a cuck and all that stuff for a long time which unless you're like i don't know by my in my understanding unless you're like adolf hitler himself now you're a cuck that's really the standard but um it's kind of an inside joke and just, you know, people call me beta. And so this was kind of like a throwback to that. But we didn't know what we were going to name the show. Uh, and we just kind of did a one-off stream and people sort of liked it. So we thought, well, maybe we can make it regular. Didn't know, I didn't know what to name it. Um, Beauty and the Cuck was what someone suggested. It's a little too edgy and doesn't have that nice alliteration. So mm -hmm. another person suggested Beauty and the Beta. And I thought that was pretty funny. 
and gave us kind of a nice theme to work with. And so I ran with that and it's been good. I've, I've been, I did a, I've done a couple podcasts previously. Um, but this is the one that I'm having the most fun with. This is the show that I really want to make. And I think it's kind of coming into form now. It takes a lot of practice. It's they're harder to make than people think. Hmm. Now you guys, you and blonde went to the RNC and you did a whole lot of interviews and I was incredibly impressed with that. Is that the first event you've ever done where you've gone out and interviewed people? Yeah. Yeah. Like on the street interviews, never done that. I mean, I've never really interviewed people for any kind of media thing at all. Uh, other than of course, like in a podcast setting or, you know, like what we're doing right now, but face to face. No, that's the, that's the first time I've um, done anything like that. And actually, <laughs> unfortunately, Pretty much most people were fairly reasonable. Like a lot of points I disagree with, but we went expecting insanity and to a small degree we got some, but overall this was a, dare I say, boring event kind of. <laughs> um, I think we expected crazier than, than we got, but it was fun to, to just, you know, walk up to people on the street and say, Hey, you got a sign, like, tell me about it. Uh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And, um, you know, as far as my, I, I like to just kind of keep people talking. If I'm interviewing, I, I tend not to like press people really hard and try to pin them down or prove that they're wrong or anything like that. I just like to keep them talking, ask them kind of questions to flesh out their opinions. And, uh, if you do that, the crazy will come out. If, if it's there, you don't have to shout it down. You don't have to expose it yourself. Yeah, I think you're you're totally right on that. And one of the benefits too is, I mean, you have a YouTube channel, so when somebody like Daryl shows up <laughs> at your at your event, and you can make a very reasoned and well thought out response to him that people will watch. Rather, and I think that's more effective than if you were to stand there and have a shouting match with him in the street. Well, he's been um, back at me on Twitter, or his associate. <laughs> let, let, do we believe he has associates? About I don't know if I should give your viewers more context, but th this was a guy who was essentially <laughs> stalking us at the RNC, monitoring our interviews uh, for wrong think essentially. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately when I confronted him, accused us both of white supremacism and a bunch of SJWs, you know, piranhas swim in to come eat us up because we're terrible, <laughs> oppressive people. But um, basically we left that and he was saying, I will dig into you, into your past. I will find the links to white supremacism. I will expose you and I will ruin your life. And so my right. response was, here's my name. Do the research, email it to me. A lot of people would like to see that. Uh, <laughs> never happened. The file still, I, like I said, I think it's going to take a deep dig to, to put that file together. So it still hasn't I, yeah, arrived. Well, I, but... I mean, I don't know what he expects to find. Uh, he, his big thing, the reason why you were automatically a white supremacist is because Blonde had talked to some people who might be possibly linked to Nazism, maybe. Yeah, I'm not even he, sure. I've never there are some people that consider this. This is the thing. So I don't. Blonde went on Red Ice Radio for five minutes. Um, I don't listen to Red Ice. I don't know Red Ice. What I do know about That's them okay. is they. They were, they are what I would classify based on what I've seen as like European, like pride in European culture. Okay. Certainly we allow black pride. Certainly we allow Latino pride. Certainly we allow great gay pride, trans pride, suddenly white European pride, uh, whether you agree or not, 
is, is somehow different from all these other minority prides that we allow. I've never heard anything from them that is on the level of like, I don't know, like Nazism or, or harming people or things like this. Do they, do they believe white culture has created a lot of good things? Yes, they do. But in the same way, black lives matter believes black culture is worth protecting uh, in the same way gay pride parade believes in promoting gay culture. I mean, we have cultural pride factions all over the place, but you can't be proud to be a white European. That's no, white supremacy. That's, that's white supremacy. Yeah. Yesterday um, I was trying to make a video on it, but I was at work and things were just insane. So, you know, you know how that works. But uh, yesterday I got into a Twitter argument with um, Tariq Nasheed. Oh, I saw this going back. Truth uh, be told, I almost jumped in. But uh, <laughs> I, I pick my battles clo- uh, carefully now because once I get in, I can't get out. So I saw a little bit of what you're talking about. Well, I just wanted to keep it going because he has like 140 something Twitter followers, 140,000 something Twitter yeah. followers. He's checkmark. He's a doc. He made a documentary uh, that's the number one selling documentary on Amazon. I didn't believe that claim that he made, and then yep, that's that's exactly true. Yeah, it was a really, really interesting little war. And of course, that's the first thing that I got called as a white supremacist. Wait, what, what was the claim that he made? I forget what was the origin. Uh, he said, oh, well, what I had started with was something about Michael Brown. But he has on his channel, uh, on his Twitter page, that he created uh, a white supremacy. He, he directed a white supremacy um, documentary. But I can okay. find it. Second, and it states the number one documentary in the world, and I'm I'm like about uh, white supremacism uh, or just all documentaries. Actually, it's on Amazon. If you look it up, it's it's called Hidden Colors Four. Not that I really want to give him traffic, but Hidden Colors uh, Four, as in the fourth entry in the series, as in the fourth deep dive. Wow. Okay, he's done three of them already, and this is all about white supremacy. He goes on live speaking tours talking about white supremacy. And yeah, it's the number one highest rated uh, documentary on Amazon currently, which really surprised and, me because and I you thought are it a was... white supremacist. Did he accuse you of that directly? Yes, he did. Well, so he told <laughs> me that I'm a white supremacy suspect. Oh, yeah. Just like and me. That's what Daryl. That's what Daryl got me with. Yeah. Yeah, a suspect of white supremacy. And I mean, listen, you know, in his defense, he knows an awful lot about whatever he thinks is white supremacy. So I guess uh, he has more of a right to call me a suspect. No, than no, most. no. It's 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 an expert in, in witch hunting, man. I mean, did the did the oh, Salem yeah. witch burners have more expertise in witchcraft? Maybe <laughs> so, but we're talking about something that's not real. I mean, I'm telling you, these people are uncomfortable living in a world where racial equality as far as equality of opportunity is more or less achieved as far from a historical perspective certainly maybe there are smaller things we can do here or there but as a general rule equality of opportunity exists they're terrified of that being a reality because they have nothing to rally against anymore exactly so and and the thing was so the original tweet was about michael brown and I believe he said that uh, how white supremacists believe that Michael Brown deserved to be executed. I could bring it up, but um, and I makes, said nobody says he deserves to be executed. Nobody no. says that except for a fringe. Well, I stated that you know, he didn't deserve to be executed until he murdered a police officer or attempted to murder a police officer. Well, right. As soon as you get violent, then all bets are off. But but as far as people saying like, if the premise is robbed a 
a gas station or whatever than killed certainly those aren't the same but yes if if uh if you get in a violent scuffle with a police officer um you're gonna get killed yeah it's not it's not a good chance you've you've reduced your survival uh probability let's put it that way Uh uh-huh and the thing was we were talking about michael brown which is a single incident out of which came facts and evidence that was weighed and that evidence was weighed and put into a very wonderful large document that um marty my one of my followers martis phillips is amazing at research and he found this thing and he threw it in there and he's like look okay here's the facts you know, and that's what I kept saying. So you have this stupid meme, I'm white and I say so. You keep oh, yeah, bringing I in racism. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he shared that like four times with me alone. I'm white and I, and I say so. Im- I'm white imagine and I say the so. reverse. Imagine if you sent him an I'm black and nothing else matters type thing, or, you know, I'm black and I said so, or whatever. Imagine the well, You know, but it's not terrible. It's- it's not a terrible idea because that's the uh, that's the attitude he has. Like he's black, therefore he knows everything about white supremacy. He knows exactly what happened to my, during to Michael Brown because he's black. He keeps he's the one who brought race into it. I said, well, why don't we talk about the facts? I don't want to talk about the facts. Let's talk about race. It kind of amazes me how the the okay. sus the suspicion of racial motive and racial bias and all this stuff persists when uh, due process of law has been carried out. Right. I mean, we've had a grand jury take a look at the facts. Uh, as far as I understand, it was a racially diverse grand jury. Possibly, I mean, you might know better than I do. Might have even been majority black. Can't remember. I, I'm not actually sure about who was on the grand jury. But um, not, it wasn't. It wasn't a bunch. It wasn't Daryl Darren Wilson's mom. Let's put it that way. No, it wasn't Darren Wilson's mom. So I and mean, it's have... this conspiracy of like this increasing web of like anti-black white supremacist people who just are everywhere and they but somehow they all come together to to make this a big uh i don't know to make this a big scheme against the angel who was michael brown yeah well you know it's not just michael brown when i've heard this now i think three different times in in arguments with black lives matter supporters you know i usually try to bring up dot gov statistics as much as i can because i mean they're on my side when i say that the blacks black people commit more more violent crime than white people or that they commit more violent crime than they statistically should. Those are statistical facts that are backed up by .gov statistics. Well, I'll be told, oh, no, you expect me to believe the white supremacist government statistics? I don't think so, no. Well, to believe Sean King, DeRay McKesson? Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, you're right. They're woke, so they know exactly what they're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I, I would be much more receptive to Black Lives Matter and these people because there is there's a shred of statistical you're speaking of statistical evidence. There's a sh- really the what Black Lives Matter comes down to is the statistic that I am familiar with that I've seen shows the amount of deaths per 100,000 arrests by race. For white people, it's something in the neighborhood of 4.2 per hundred thousand mm-hmm. for black people. It's something in the neighborhood of 4.8. That's what I've seen. So black lives matter is about this half a person killed by police more per hundred thousand arrests, which is tiny, 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 but you could still say, well, per hundred thousand arrests, more black people killed. Okay, fine. Maybe we'll, 
think about whether that's a problem or not, but you have to be willing to acknowledge the cultural problems and, and the, the crime rates that you're talking about that are putting people at risk for dangerous encounters with the police officers. But no, none of that will ever, ever be acknowledged. It's everyone else's fault, not their fault, pointing fingers left and right, but never being introspective. And I think that turns a lot of people off to Black right. Lives Matter. But then, and this is the thing, they have to prove t- two things too. They can't just say there's the, there's a statistical anomaly here. There's that point, what zero six percent you said, uh, that they then have to prove that that is based on racism. They yes. can't just here it is, see racism. No, you actually have to you prove, and we can come up with plenty of good reasons on why that anomaly exists. Just like the wage gap statistic, yeah, yeah seventy eight cents earnings gap, etc. But there are reasons for that that have nothing to do with sexism. The same goes for for this. If black people are committing a disproportionate amount of violent crime and of murders, it's to be expected, just like you said, that they're going to be involved in violent encounters with the police more often. It's yeah, you and, have I think, to prove and I think that these arrests too. Racism. I don't know what the the I don't know the stats enough to know what the nature of the crimes are that lead to the arrests. Like I don't know if they're violent crimes, for example, or if they're other types of crimes. I don't know if they're lumping all crime together or if there's a distinction there. That'd be interesting to see too. Um, but no matter how you slice it, there is a cultural problem that is contributing to it. And we need to be honest about that. And if right. Black Lives Matter was honest about that, that would be awesome. We did a whole show. Because um, so I think so much of this it is related to the breakdown of the family. You know, I mean, you, that, that seems like such a social conservative type attitude, but it's, it's really <laughs> true, man. Mom and dad at home, raising kids together, generally produce, it, it, it's a better situation for the kid. And a few weeks ago when we were doing, we did a podcast, one of our podcasts was kind of Black Lives Matter focused, but we were going through the Black Lives Matter website issue by issue because I wanted to see, am I just, are they, are they actually talking about this stuff and I'm not hearing it? I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. We were scrolling through and I'm like, oh, family stuff. Okay, great. Maybe they're actually going to acknowledge here that there's been a breakdown of the family, that culturally we need to do better in terms of raising children and better households. Awesome. You, you dig into the details and instead it says like, we seek to break down the Western prescribed nuclear family because that is just a bunch of patriarchal BS. I don't know if I can swear in your show or not, but Go for uh, it. <laughs> no, it was just, uh, it was this, it was again, blaming Western culture for creating this Western prescribed patriarchal nuclear family, which you can demonstrate produces children who are better equipped to be contributors in the world and children who aren't going to commit crime or at least less likely. This is a, it's a fact free world they live in where, I mean, for people so mad about racism, I don't know anybody who sees color more distinctly than they do. Exactly. Just like when I made that original response and then he said to Tariq and he sends back this, you know, I'm white and I say so mean. On my Twitter, I don't have my face. I have my logo. So he would have to actually click on my Twitter page and then go to my YouTube right. channel to know that I'm white. Because he's racist <laughs> and assumes that anybody who disagrees with him, they must be white supremacists. That's exactly what he did. I didn't think library. about it in that way, but he absolutely did that. Yeah. And, as soon, and he clicked around and as soon as he saw a video with your face and he's like, ha and he closed the window and brought up his <laughs> meme and sent it off. That's exact. Oh my gosh. That's so funny to just imagine these scenarios in your head, but it legitimately happened. It's not Maybe even. It, it uh, had to. It had to. It had to, to know yeah. you're white and to send that, unless he just guessed and threw it out there. And yet, 
and yet I totally know that there's uh ah my mama's here. <laughs> oh, Ranthony's mom. I've never had her before watching me. I'm gonna have to be careful now. That's because I'm here. Right. Womp womp. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Ranthony's mom. Ceiling <laughs> <laughs> mom. She told me she was gonna do this. So all right, cool. Well, anyway, um, so. In this, uh, I have a lot of people on Twitter. There's some great people who are black and are very critical of uh, Black Lives Matter. And oh yeah, th- there's understandable reasons to be critical of it. But you have to have that groupthink mentality if you're going to be a race, if you're going to be involved in any kind of race issues. Well, it's also you're not allowed of... to be an Uncle Tom or a coon or a <laughs> yeah. Uh oh. You froze on me, dear Ranthony. Oh. Are you still with me, Skag? Oh, yeah, it froze on me, but now I'm back. Okay, there we go. All right. Google Hangouts. Yeah. No, it's um I can you cut out when you were talking about um you know what happens if you are a black person who dares defy the creed of Black Lives Matter? But it's this. It, you were mentioning feminism earlier too. the The fact of the matter is, it's a mi- minority of the population, a minority of women who are feminists or identify as feminists. It's a minority of the population, minority of black people who identify with Black Lives Matter, and yet they they kind of claim this monopoly over women and black people as people rather than just ideas and 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 what they do then is if you criticize feminism the ideology or black lives matter the ideology they throw up this like racist or misogynistic shield as though feminism and women are the same thing and as though black people and black lives matter are the same thing when in fact they're tiny minorities they absolutely are you know and and is it terrible that i have more respect for black lives matter than i do for feminism Ooh, I mean, I want to hear that case. <laughs> I want because to hear they why. Have, they have leadership. Feminism okay. has the ability to just claim, oh, well, not all feminists are like that. And if if you're just listening to the wrong feminists, it doesn't matter that there's like, I don't know, called say Julie Bindle or Mary Daly who say some crazy things and they've made careers on being famous feminists. Forget them. They're just crazy. They're just assholes. Black Lives Matter at least they support their own decisions and their own people. And they will stand there and tell you, yes, I believe we should kill cops. You know, they'll, they'll stand there and say, um, what's her name? Asada who the cop killer who started black lives matter. Yeah. Isn't she the one in Toronto who had that controversial tweet? I can't remember. I mean, the black lives matter as an organization is incredibly disorganized. And so that's one of the reasons it's hard Mm -hmm. to, I mean, it really lacks a coherent message because it lacks structured leadership to be honest but yet still it has uh, more structured leadership than feminism does uh, I, there's i couldn't couldn't name you who makes up the feminist mantra and i don't think a feminist could either and i've actually had this argument with feminists before like okay if i'm not listening to the right people if i'm seeing the shandy banks's the trigley puffs or the Mary Daly's and Julie Bindles. Who should I be listening to? You got who all the names, man. You're just name feminist. dropping everywhere. I, I am a white dropping. supremacist and a secret feminist. You've clearly done a lot of reading on the topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, eventually I'm going to put together a list of crazy feminists because okay. so far, wait, I think it needs to be done. Uh, but yeah, sorry. I don't mean to be name dropping. No, no. I just think it's interesting because I'm trying to remember who all these people are. Obviously, I know Trigley Puff. Yeah. I know Julie Bindle. 
the one you mentioned might be the actual name of Big Red, I'm thinking, but I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shani Binks is Big Red. Sorry. Okay, okay. Mary yeah, Daly yeah. is a famous feminist philosopher uh, who kind of started during the second wave of feminism, and she's an avid man-hater. And, uh, but yet, she's a pretty, pretty much idolized in the feminist movement. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I haven't uh, I haven't caught up with my feminist um, feminists for a while. It seems like feminist nonsense has been <laughs> dormant for I don't know maybe a few months or I don't know. There's still plenty of people doing anti-feminist stuff on YouTube, but it seems like uh, I don't know, or maybe I've just seen it all. Like I've seen all the lacy green things, and I've seen all the I don't know, just all the talks they give and all the points they make. Maybe I've gotten weary of it. I don't know. <laughs> I, you know what, though, I, I can't blame you at all. There, there's so much things, so many things to talk about that aren't feminism. And uh, I, I just, I have seen in the last couple of weeks or so, they're starting to talk about the anti-feminism movement. They're starting to talk about response videos and things. Yeah. And that's been, I think, the trend right now. If you watched Baring's live stream with um, Martina Shut Up. I did. I did. And I have a lot of respect. I, I didn't quite finish it because I got really pissed about like the 50 minute mark, but I was proud of myself. For... Uh Oh, you're freezing again. Oh, no. Oh, can you still hear me at least as long as you can hear me? Uh... Google Hangouts. All right. I hear you again, I think. All right. Yeah. I guess it's going to have one of these hiccups every so often, but yeah, I did. Um, I made it almost the whole way through. I got to like 50 minutes through before she pissed me off too much, but I will say <laughs> I, I do have respect for her for going on there. The thing that bothered me a lot about that interview, and I don't know if it's just her. I mean, I guess I should just apply it to just her, the individual, but she kept making claims legal claims that she clearly does not have an understanding uh, or a sufficient understanding to make the claims. Well, in the legal <laughs> right. sense, it's this. No, no. Well, I took a first amendment class. Yeah. An undergraduate first amendment class. Congratulations. You're not a lawyer. I don't want to hear a first amendment lecture from someone who finished one con law class sophomore year of college. And it was, it was just <laughs> a lot of nonsensical claims like, um, you know, hate speech is not free speech. Yes, it is. In fact, yes, it is. I can say, especially as the way feminists de de define it, if, if you're talking about hate speech as incitement to violence, imminent violence, realistic violence, likely violence, yeah, that's not free speech. That can be regulated. If you're talking about hate speech in the sense of like, I don't know, think of any terrible thing I could say that they would hate. Women are stupid. Black people are terrible. I mean, whatever. Again, these are sarcastic comments for people that want to quote me out of context, but you have a constitutional <laughs> yeah, right to we, say those well, things. Well, we've all know that they'd like to do that to you. you. You have a constitutional right to say whatever terrible things about anybody you want. Now, of course there might be social consequences for doing that and that's fine. Um, but, but don't talk about the legal realm when you clearly have no concept of what you're talking about. That's what pissed me off. I don't want to hear a lecture about constitutional law from an undergraduate feminist. Right. But anyway. Well, she's a... I, I have more respect for her now that she went on the live stream. Yes, yeah. But um, before then, I got really sick of seeing her face. <laughs> Give it right there. Okay. And, 
<laughs> but yeah, with um, with freedom of speech, I mean that's one of my biggest things, and that's one of the reasons that I'm. But I think that's one of the reasons why we're growing so much uh, as a as a community, by be it anti-feminist, be it anti-Black Lives Matter, being anti-social justice in general. But, you know, we can come together with all kinds of different views, but all we have to do is have the, the idea that we should be allowed to express those views. Yes. These things. Because they would have us shut down. They would have us stopped they, for, from speaking. People like Martina would would not be okay with us being on this stream right now expressing our views because our views might be considered hateful or offensive. Uh, yeah, I'm I mean, okay the, thing, the thing that bothers me, and I, I don't want to mischaracterize her necessarily, but just um, people of the, the social justice kind of wing or persuasion generally, or just people who want to shut down certain forms of speech outside of threats, which we all agree that like true threats uh, should probably be off the table. But, you know, just general sharing of ideas, anything should be on the table. My biggest question to them is like, if you want to get rid of certain ideas from being shared and exchanged, why is it that you want to ban them? Don't you want to win? Don't you want to win the argument fairly? Why do you want to cheat in the game, especially if you're so confident in your persuasion? If you're so confident right. your ideas are better, they should rise on their own when compared with the bad ones. And yet they want to ban the bad ones. Well, you don't need to ban the bad ones if your ideas are obviously superior to a reasonable person. But they, they won't. I don't, I don't know. It's a contradiction I've never understood fully from, from their end. But the, the, that's like the, free speech is probably my religion, to be honest. Like that's the thing I will not compromise on that's the thing mm -hmm. i believe in most and I, I sense we probably share that and the interesting thing now is it's making such strange political bedfellows you know like you have what i what i would consider to be your true liberals lining up with you know yesterday's conservatives yesterday or today's libertarians or whoever and what you're seeing is kind of that split on that authoritarian libertarian line rather than kind of like your economic left right you know your, your foreign policy yeah. left right that kind of stuff people who generally want to be left alone and believe in people's ability to kind of govern themselves culturally versus people who want to police you culturally. It's really interesting political breakdown right now. It, and it's interesting to see Bernie supporters, right? Who economically probably I would guess would agree with Hillary. Uh Oh, seem to happen oh, <laughs> now i'm back i so I, I you you left me when you said bernie supporters would agree with hillary that's what i last heard hmm all right well i can't figure out why this is happening somebody said you need to do something with bandwidth math or something something and i'm like i don't know what that means <laughs> I'm i think just it's here. i mean i've never had good luck with google hangouts generally I, I honestly haven't either, but I don't know what else to use. What do you guys use for reading the beta? We use Skype, um, but you'd have to use uh, another broadcasting piece of broadcasting software to route it. You can't use just okay. Skype. You got to use OBS or XSplit or some other broadcasting software to plug gotcha. it into your YouTube. Which means for now it's going to have to be it's going to have to be this. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's the only it's way to do it direct. 
But you know, it, it, this is better than what happens when I get on with Edgy Sphinx because Hangouts just drops him off completely, and I'm alone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. We blame it on Comcast. Like Comcast doesn't want us to get together and talk because we're going to yeah. explode the universe. I was saying that um, Bernie supporters who economically and probably socially would agree more with Hillary than they would with uh, Trump are still oftentimes, I see, running to Trump and saying, well, be, they, they can't support a lot of the, the government side that Hillary wants, and they are actually noticing the free speech issues that come. I don't know how often it happens, but it does seem to be happening, and I, I do appreciate that a lot. Well, there's that, and the f- I mean, if way back when, probably like a year ago, uh, maybe maybe a little more before like the authoritarianism of the social justice crowd was clear to me. I probably would have been like the casual Bernie person, to be honest. That's probably where I would have lined up. And if my if this hadn't blown up and I was still supporting Bernie all the way through until the convention now, I mean, even aside from social values that, you know, and, and free speech values and things like that, the way it's abundantly clear that the DNC favored Hillary in the election would be enough to piss me off and say, I will never vote for that cheater ever. I can't figure it out. That's, that's what I really wanted to see. Um, I mean, the RNC was wonderful, but I would have loved to have gone to the DNC and questioned the protesting Bernie supporters and the supporting Hillary supporters and being all right, I want to ask every Hillary supporter, how can you continue to support a candidate who we know lied and cheated? Own primary <laughs> candidate. I, she usurped her own party's democratic system that the party is basically named after. How the, can you support um, this? The response that I've heard has been, well, she was going to win anyway, so it doesn't matter if she cheats or not. (laughs) All that matters is like the result. It doesn't matter if she has integrity or not. Um, But I've also heard, well, I think, I don't think that's the problem here. I think the problem is that Russia is trying to sabotage our election. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, uh, um, so yeah. Russia's trying to sab- you sabotaged the election first. Right. The analogy I've heard that I like, and I agree. I mean, I can agree that um, DNC emails leaking is probably not great. We, we would probably like those to be secure, generally speaking. But as far as I know, they can't share like that. That's a, that's a private. As far as I understand, that's a private organization. It's not like there's confidential information being thrown around. It's just kind of embarrassing stuff rather than consequential stuff. But, you know, it's still government officials or quasi-government officials, so we probably don't want those things leaking. Yeah, we can talk about that. But the analogy someone shared that I like is like, it's like if um, you have a spouse who left her computer sitting on the, the table at home and you looked at the emails and it's like, you know, 10 years worth of romance with another man uh, and like just shit talking on you. And then she gets home and you're like, uh, so you've been like with another guy for like 10 years. And then she says like, how could you breach the trust in our relationship? Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess you did a little bit, but then she did like this much. So uh, comparing the, the the problems here. Yeah, I don't understand why. It, it got so quickly diverted to 
Putin and all this. I mean, they've been so masterful at diverting things. Even I couldn't believe. Did you see Omar's dad was on the stage at Hillary's rally? And even that has been just kind of like, well, nothing. No, no big deal here. I'm not saying it's a, I'm not saying Omar's dad can't try to live a regular life. Of, and I, right. I, assume, I mean, I'm sure it's as tragic for him as for anybody else. But the fact that Hillary <laughs> clearly what happened, because you can't just get on the stage unless you you know are invited up on the stage right. clearly somebody with hillary's campaign was like brown guy get him up there diversity now now <laughs> hurry and they didn't care they didn't care who he was and ultimately i think that's a criticism of hillary in general you care more about the appearance of diversity than you do about security terror immigration real problems mm-hmm. i couldn't believe that guy's face was right behind her it's it's like how Ugh. And nobody cares. I mean, Trump says the wrong word and everybody flips out for a week straight. Hillary does something that's like incredibly dishonest or just outright baffling and nobody cares. Well, but that's that's where, you know, you come up with a giant conspiracy theory of the left wing news media. But I mean, it's it's it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to be able to see that when the news media, CNN, ABC, MSNBC, whatever the major news media outlets, not to mention the Washington Post, the New York Times, and all the newspapers, when they make articles and pieces about Donald Trump, they are almost always in some kind of a negative light. They're taking note of something that he said at a recent rally or about how bad his speech at the RNC was. Yeah. But as soon as as soon as Hillary comes up and speaks at the RNC, or excuse me, at the DNC, as she you know she comes up, it's just fawning praise of how wonderful that Hillary is. Yeah. You know, it's got to be really easy to cover up your mistakes when you have basically the entire news media in your pocket. Uh, that's why I'm really excited and, and pleased to see YouTube and uh, independent organizations coming out and becoming much, much more important oh, yeah. in getting the news across I mean, to people. And, and this is, this is my theory. I've been saying all along that a, a Hillary supporters are like sonic restaurants. I'm told that they exist. I've just never seen one in real life. That's my opinion. <laughs> um, because I see sonic ads on TV, never seen one. They don't exist as far as I'm concerned, oh, but they advertise well, if you, here. If you, if you anyway, do see one, don't eat there. I used to work at one. They're terrible. Oh, so you can, maybe you can be the agent of proof. You can provide I can attest, yes. people. People will sometimes send me photos on Twitter at sonics and I'll just jokingly <laughs> be like, it's clearly shopped. This is, BS is not real. It's oh, kind of a fine. running gag, but um, but to my point, like how many how many sort of pro Hillary and I mean enthusiastically pro Hillary YouTube channels do you know of? And I, I I genuinely don't know of any to be honest. Maybe like some feminist one. I don't I don't know. I I don't know either. I I don't think it's a fair comparison though because I don't actively go out looking for them. So. Yeah. If they exist, I, I probably wouldn't know about it unless I came across it, like looking up feminism or something like that. Uh, that said, most of the time I do. When I see Hillary being praised, it seems to be more in passing than it by any you know YouTube statuses or anything like that. It seems to be more in passing than it does uh, to be fawning. Oh my God, we love Hillary! Kind of praise. Yeah, I'm just you know I'm just thinking about the gap that you're describing because. Generally, the online media I see, and I try to consume somewhat of a wide variety, not just like Breitbart or something else. You know, I mean, I try to try to get a variety of sources, but the difference between what I see on the news on like NBC in the morning 
and you know what I'll see from YouTube creators I like to watch and online media sources I like to read and watch. They're quite different. And it's not necessarily that the the facts are different. It's just the emphasis is different. You know, what what gets reported in terms of priority is quite different. Like a lot of the places I look at and and follow and people I follow were just having a field day of jokes at this, you know, Omar's dad on the stage with Hillary. Not until like 20 seconds on the Today Show this morning did I see any mention of that on NBC at all. And generally in terms of my mainstream media, NBC is usually the one I watch. So like I watch it in the morning and then sometimes maybe I'll catch the nightly news in passing or something. But I mean, in a different, if you flipped it and say, I mean, the, the analogy I'm thinking, and if you didn't see, by the way, reporters talked to Omar's dad after and he was like, oh yeah, Hillary's the best. Trump yeah, has no substance. He actually endorsed Hillary with reporters right. after. So the analogy I think of is honestly like David Duke, right? If David Duke was on the stage with Trump and and repeated his endorsement of, of Trump with reporters after an event, that would just be blown up that would be all over these news networks you'd have every pundit on there talking about how racist he is and this and that but well i you know perfect i think perfect comparison after the rnc we spent basically three straight days talking about melania trump melania yeah. trump how you pronounce it uh talking about her and her oh no frozen again this year if i had right. to say and it's not just because of what was in the emails but also because the emails were leaked and you want to talk about russia okay fine no it's so important now report that media but what happens twitter stops it from trending on youtube or that's yeah, <laughs> on youtube on twitter uh other news organizations are not fully reporting it they're, it's it's becoming a, a non-issue they're working to to cover it up and then they fawn like crazy over hillary's speech and to my knowledge nobody's ever really asked a question about dnc leaks well, th that and, is insane and they clearly need to be i mean the thing that fascinated me too because this whole dnc link uh, leak really captivated me because it sort of proved and provided substance to a lot of the sort of tinfoil hat allegations about <laughs> corruption that previously existed. And this just proved wow. those people right. right. All those pot smoke and Bernie bros, you thought that they were like off their rocker and turns out there was something to what they were saying, but it's so bad. And to your point about the unwillingness or the apathy that they don't question these things aggressively, the decision, <laughs> Hillary's decision to bring Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the former chair, straight from corruption right over to her campaign. It's like, tr it's it's blatant now. Like, hey, know. <laughs> we know we're cheating, we're corrupt, but you guys don't care. So <laughs> come on over. Come on and over. And it never, I mean, it never, I never saw that covered on mainstream media sources. Like, how could you possibly take this proven cheater off disgrace, leaving in disgrace from scandal and just be like, welcome aboard. Can't wait to have you. Something's not right there. Absolutely. I, I I remember when you asked that question, like, why on earth, for what plausible reason is there for Debbie Wasserman Schultz to be working on Hillary's campaign? Why? Is there any reason that we can come up with on why? I mean, I can't imagine any organization wanting to touch her with a 10-foot pole at this point. 
And again, not just because of the proven corruption problems, not just because uh, she got Hillary in office, you know, or, or screwed Bernie, but also because she clearly couldn't even protect her own emails, her own yeah. DNC. You know, she she it was terrible. Uh, that was a horrible run, and I can't imagine anybody wanting to have her, well, let the, alone Hillary. I, it's the weirdest defense too. It's kind of the defense that. That's what's so strange about Hillary's own email problem on the private server is even if we accept James Comey's findings, the FBI's findings, and we accept everything we've been told, you have to be comfortable with the conclusion that like Hillary is just incompetent. Hillary's just dumb. That's all. Now vote for her for president. What? 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 I mean, you talk about, first off, I don't buy that it was like, she's just dumb because you don't put these things on a, on a private server unless you have damn. I mean, again, it goes back to what you're talking about there with reason. Why would you do these things given the risk involved in doing it? Why would you bring Debbie in? Why would you use an external server? It's, there has to be substantive reasons to explain this behavior. And we're just supposed to accept that it's like, well, I'm just stupid. That's all, but I'll make a great president. I know. I'm willing to give Hillary, believe it or not, I'm willing to give Hillary the benefit of the doubt and say that she probably did not have any specifically treasonous or malicious intent when she sent the emails over the private server, but it doesn't matter. She doesn't need them. In the uh, statute that she would have been prosecuted under, all it requires is negligent handling of classified material, which she unequivocally clearly did. Yeah. Uh, but, you know... Comey said, oh, well, negligence isn't part of the statute, but it is part of the statute. It's right there in the statute. But no, you know it, what? it wasn't negligence. It was what, like gross. What was the word he used? He used something that was basically a synonym, but it was not negligence. She was grossly. Uh, God, I can't remember something. Whatever. I'll bend my mind trying to remember it. So it doesn't really matter. But it's and basically then, him was... saying it wasn't negligence. Oh. It was just like very uh, very poorly and and non-carefully done that's all yeah, like, okay whatever yeah well whatever extreme it was, it was carelessness funny. i think is I, what he said carelessness yeah that's it extreme carelessness yes yeah. after after dnc leaks i remember thinking all right it is time that the democrats stop using emails <laughs> they are not good at it they are not helping and then the interim chair of the dnc donna brazil says that out loud and says it's time that we start writing stuff down wow (laughs) and i'm like are you kidding me i was making a joke that you can't be hacked right well they can't be hacked so good you can be as corrupt as you want on paper like (laughs) really oh my god and then of course well there we go she's gone marcia fudge is in congratulations um and I, I know it's in that I was listening to Dave Rubin talk about this earlier too. And I think it's kind of interesting, but just, I know it's not technically wrong or there's no reason to think that, that there's a necessarily a moral issue at play, but just it's interesting how someone like Donna Brazil just keeps going back and forth between like party leadership and pundit punditry, whatever the word would be pundit <laughs> positions uh, at CNN. I'm not saying that's wrong, but it just goes to show who shapes the commentary in these media sources? It's clearly people who either are current or past campaign employees or leadership or current or past party employees or leadership, people who are just so insulated in this that 
I don't know that they have the critical eye for these things that some other people do. So just general, basically they need to hire off YouTube. That's what they need to do. They need to give <laughs> us all jobs. Well, that would probably be a good idea. I, I do think <laughs> that there are a lot of, there are a lot of, especially Democrats, but this goes for establishment Republicans too, that are so familiar with damage control. Yeah. That it doesn't matter what they believe or what they want to do in office. It only matters that they put forth a popular narrative and stay in office. And, and I think that that's really dangerous, of course, because they're literally willing to do or say anything that they can or need to do in order to get elected. And I think Hillary is a poster child of this, but it exists. It, it's worse because it means that they don't actually stand for anything. They don't intend to work towards anything. And I think this is not a, an individual problem. This is almost a party problem of trying to keep dangerous things out of the media and trying to make sure that you stay acceptable while continuing your own corrupt ideals and, and uh, politics sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I was listening to, um, God, last night. So I was, uh, are you familiar with the great Chank Uger, uh, Lori Penny interview that happened at the DNC? They, they had an interview together, a meeting of the minds and Sargon kind of did a breakdown um, of it. And I was listening to that last night and he made the comment at, at one point that power doesn't seek power for its own sake, that there's always like some goal that you achieve through the power. And I was kind of thinking in my head, I was like, well, maybe that's generally true. But the, the counter that pops into my head is Hillary. I think Hillary pursues power for power's sake. I don't think she cares. I, I don't think she's principled on anything. She just wants to be boss lady. And maybe some, maybe you some said people bossy. Would, I heard it. Yeah, you said bossy. That's know, sexist. It's bust me. But I mean, I, I, I think she's a great counterexample of someone who pursues power for power's sake. I, I think that's all that she's after personally. I, I so and I know that that's subjective, but a very long time. And uh, you know, that's I, I don't really understand with all her skeletons in the closet why you would support Hillary if given another option. Well, and, that's the thing is they think the other option is terrible. And I get it. I mean, I get why you would hate Trump as much, to be honest. Oh, yeah, I understand, I understand why people do. But but I wasn't so much thinking Trump as I was as ridiculous as it might sound. Somebody like Martin O'Malley, who I know didn't have the name recognition and, of course, didn't get the opportunity to be uh, – important at all i think jim webb as well you know nobody was wanting to run against hillary jim webb that went, uh, i have two favorite debate moments from the the primary season one is is trump's this guy's a liar and this guy's a choke artist that was the number one moment because that was the funniest <laughs> and just the best with uh with marco rubio and ted cruz but mm -hmm. the second best was angry jim webb on the stage like can i get a turn they, they they got to speak for 10 minutes can i get a turn and they finally go to him and that's all he would repeat is like it's my, it's my, it's my turn to speak now they've, they've been given 10 minutes yeah you're wasting your time talking about how much you deserve a, a turn to speak that guy was just i don't know uh good for jim Webb. jim jim webb's a vet appreciate your service to this country appreciate your time in the senate at least i think he's in the senate can't remember anyway terrible debater <laughs> terrible <laughs> debater but it does it does bring up a point though they were from the start in favor of hillary i think they wouldn't have given sanders any airtime if they could have helped it but he took off and you know i think it's hilarious because hillary was the establishment candidate she was the important one she was the she was a shoe in for this election all throughout the last i don't know two years when they were talking about it 
Hillary's going to be the, nom the nominee for the Democratic Party. She's going to run. It's going to happen. We all know this. And then what happens? She almost loses to Sanders, a relative unknown. He's not even a member of the Democratic Party. Uh, he only caucuses with them. And he is a radical left-wing socialist who is lambasted by the media. And she still almost loses. You, you might How be more, does this happen? You might be more plugged into this than I, because you're, you're still in school, right? Are you still a college kid? Yeah. Or, college okay, kid. so I'm guessing you have a lot of... From what I know about you, you're not, you're not a Bernie bro, right? I I'm think I've heard you say bro. you're like a, a longtime Republican voter. Or I, I'm a longtime conservative and okay. once never Trumper and now Trump trainer, okay. I guess. Okay, yeah. but I, I'm going to guess, maybe not, but do you have a lot of Bernie bro friends? I have a couple. Who what are they going to do? Are, are they going to vote Hillary or are they going to? One is going to vote for Hillary and two of them who were like, I really like Bernie. I like what Bernie has to say. Like, uh -huh. but they weren't crazy. Yeah, Bernie, woo, buying the t-shirts. They're not going to vote. They're so they're just not going to vote, period. They're just not going to vote, period. That's what I think. That's kind of what I predicted. I think that it's going to be a larger... I think a lot of people are right when they guess that a larger segment of them than you would expect will go Trump, surprisingly. Not, not half of them, not most of them, but let's say something more than you'd expect. Let's say maybe 10 to 20% at a high end. Then there's going to be probably the majority of them, like the friends you're describing, who aren't going to vote. I think the ones who are going to vote Hillary from the Bernie faction are actually quite small. Because I, I don't know. The only reason when I ask this question, you know, how? Because I'll go on Twitter and I'll ask Bernie supporters, how can you now support Hillary? I remember after the convention happened and that I'm with her hashtag was trending. That's what yeah. I did. I, I I searched and I'm like, okay, let's find the Bernie supporters. And I tweeted at them and said. How can you now support Hillary when you know that she stole the election from your candidate? And I don't think anybody responded to me because yeah. it's not. But uh, it was it was still, you know, I wanted to know. I and I still want to know. And I would love to have been at the DNC talking to these Bernie supporters and yeah. finding out what they think about it. No, I'm totally bummed, like, honestly, <sighs> I, in the way things. Yeah, you I don't know how like many are going to vote for Hillary. I think that a larger number. Oh, there's the freeze again. independent voters or moderate conservatives or moderate liberals who can't support the fringe candidates. I don't think we're going to have a very good turnout, to be honest. Well, that, and that works in Trump's favor, to be honest. I mean, it does that almost always works in favor of the Republican candidate people. I mean, the, and the polling is not looking great for him right now either. Um, and I, I, I do prefer that he wins over Hillary. I'm not like, I mean, I, I want Trump to win for the entertainment value more than like the policy proposals, but I think he's right on the, like the things that I think are most important, I think he correctly diagnoses. And so, you know, I, I generally su support a lot of things that he says. I'm not enthusiastic for him, um, but I do want to see the right heads explode when he's elected. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not as, if people are making a big deal out of the polls because he's down by as much as 10 points all over the mm -hmm. place now. And I don't know. I, I, uh, I don't put as much stock in that to be honest. I saw, and I'm not saying they're wrong because polls are quite frequently right. The Nate Silvers of the world's uh, the Nate Silvers of the world nail, he nailed the last election state by state. So it's not like there's no merit to it, but I was reading something really interesting the other day that, uh, was just comparing the social media engagement of the two candidates. Uh huh. Holy cow. Does Trump destroy Hillary mm -hmm. in social media engagement. And we're not talking like double, we're talking like tenfold or more. 
And I, I don't take that as like a scientific predictor, but I do take that as just a proxy for enthusiasm. And well, and then one thing that you have to think about too is, is young people are the ones who are using social media. And young people are more enthusiastic for Trump. Yeah. The elderly people or older people tend to be more conservative than liberal. I mean, I'm not a pollster, but you've put, put two and two together. Maybe that means perhaps the polls are not taking into account some important aspects of the election. Uh, I, I mean, let's just talk about the elephant in the room and go a little Alex Jones crazy on you. I okay. Yeah. Alex Jones info wars. It's time to talk Alex about Jones. real truth. Here. Yeah. All right. Guy, 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 guy. Yeah. The polls really influence the election. They influence people's hope. They influence the momentum that a certain yeah. candidate has. And you, if you think Trump isn't going to win anyway and your vote doesn't matter, if you're not that invested in the election, you will stay home. I, I think honestly that – I mean we've already proven corruption once. Could the polls or pollsters be corrupt a second you know, as well? I, I don't know. Well, Trump got ripped for suggesting that, that like the, the, the election and or – I mean just kind of a collusion between media, Hillary campaign, all this stuff would – explicitly yeah. or kind of subtly rig the election against him. Even when um, there's evidence for it though, of the media collusion in the DNC leaks, that was one of the things that showed up. Yeah. Is, but well, you got to remember it's about Putin though. Don't it's about Putin. That's right. I'm don't sorry. Lose sight of the issue. <laughs> <laughs> well, who was it? Those uh, WAPO, right? Um, Vox and CNN. CNN. It was basically, uh, yeah. Like the thing I saw was um like pre, sending questions in beforehand. I don't remember what else, but like clearing questions before the interview. So she would know exactly what's coming, that kind of thing. Yeah. I, another thing with the polls too, there's, there's a lot of new, weird, unusual things that have to be looked at that are usually not there. There's a lot new, there's a lot of new voters that came in this election that we can't determine whether they're likely voters or unlikely voters or what they are yet. Uh, and that's on both sides from the Bernie bros to the Trump trainers. And then you've got the crazy, weird, independent candidates. You, you know, you got Jill Stein, who a lot of Bernie supporters have run to uh, from the Green Party. You've got Gary Johnson, who a lot of conservative supporters have run to from the Libertarian Party. And then you've got this guy, what's his name, Gary McMullen or something like that who just announced his candidacy and he's apparently picking up some traction oh, and man. you have yeah. to add in these people are going to be stealing percentage points from both candidates, both of the main two candidates. They're not going to win, but how many votes are they going to take away? And I think that's something that the polls are not adequately looking at. Yeah. Well, that's, what's so interesting too, is this, this election is, uh, it's just got people going and moving in all directions. We had, um, Owen Schroyer on our show a couple of weeks ago, the the famous white male who debated AIDS Skrillex and, and Carl the Cuck. Oh, uh, he was on our show, okay. but he was talking about kind of, he was talking on, on Twitter about this too. Um, Just about, it's interesting. Like there's plenty of people like me, people who have been traditionally democratic voters who by virtue of like the social justice rising and or Hillary's prominence have been like, I'm out guys. Like I can't do this anymore whatever F it. I'm going to vote Trump. There's plenty of people like me who are like that. Yeah. And then there's plenty of these, I mean, you're seeing reports of it now too, of like establishment Republicans, establishment conservatives who are going so far as to, as to endorse Hillary now. 
there there's a small population of them and there's people who might not come out and say it but either won't vote trump or will support you know an alternative candidate like you described or might actually vote hillary themselves you have like grassroots democrats going to trump you have establishment republicans going to clinton and then you have kind of like riffraff going in all other directions it's a very i I mean granted this is the the third this will be the third presidential election i've been able to vote in but i've never seen one that had more nuance and variation in terms of who's supporting whom absolutely and i honestly it it has so uprooted the traditional polling uh polling is something i used to be really really entertained by i used to follow Uh the polls in local elections and stuff and um it's so unusually different to see what used to be not swing states or swing states swing states or not swing states that they there's Trump has a chance in Pennsylvania when he never should have in the first place. We haven't voted for a Republican this century. Uh, it, it's just, it's so, there's so many factors to take into account. And I mean, even if we bar the uh, possibility of corruption amongst the pollsters, is it possible that they are not taking into account a lot of the nuance and that they're continuing using the old polling models that simply do not conform to the craziness that is happening in this election. Yeah. And I, and I haven't followed the story closely, but I know that Reuters for one has been under fire for how they have framed the choices and or categorized people. Like there's some sort of controversy with Reuters that didn't allow for um, undecided or they like lumped undecided in with Hillary. Hmm. And then the other thing is a lot of these polls don't actually capture the third party options right. that you're describing, um, which of course, as you mentioned, don't have an individual chance of winning, but do have a chance of scraping off meaningful percentage points from either uh, major party candidate. Huge percentage points in some states. You know, gr- the Green Party, Jill Stein, I know she was up to four or five percent in some states, and Jill Stein is incredibly liberal. So you know that that's almost entirely coming from Hillary. Uh, I saw one poll that showed, I think it was in Florida, Jerry Johnson was up to 14 percent of the vote. I would like That's to see indeed. him on the debate stage. Um, that would you know, be I would too. But I, but I almost don't want to give too much credit to him because he's not going to win, and I don't want to take votes away from Trump because I don't want to see Hillary elected. But on the other hand, I actually would like to see a fresh face in the debates. But that said, I just want to see the debates. I can't wait for that. I don't care who's so, going to be there. If it's just Trump and Hillary, perfect. Oh, it's going to, yeah, it's, that's a popcorn and uh, appointment viewing type situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, count me in, man. Um, you mentioned earlier that, that you were formerly never Trump. So and I don't know if you want to go into this cause your audience might be more familiar with it, but I'd just be curious to know like, oh, no, I'm happy to go into like it. when uh, the transition happened, like why were you never Trump? At what point did you decide to switch and why? I, I was never Trump really early on. I was a Ben Carson supporter right up until mm-hmm. the end when he dropped his campaign. Um, because I didn't feel, I felt that Trump kind of was fighting fire with fire. He was too agitating waters. He, he made too many uh, negative comments. One of the biggest comments that I remember that I still remember that bothered me about what Trump had said was he said something about Carly Fiorina's looks. And yeah, I'm like, what, what makes the McCain comments still piss me off, to be honest, to this day. But. Uh, and, and yeah, those are those aren't good either. Uh, but I mean, <laughs> it really bothered me. The, the Carly Fiorina comments. It's implying that somebody's looks matter about whether or not they are or are not capable of doing a certain 
position, yeah. you know, and, and it bothered me a lot. And, and especially when he's half orangutan brain. anyway, like you can't, I know <laughs> you he's can't like a on. fucking <laughs> Dr. Seuss character yeah. and he's going to rip on her. But as, as time went on and my favorite candidate, Ben Carson, of course, dropped out. Cause I was actually, I had even said I was never Trump. I'm not voting for Trump in the primary. I'm going to vote for Ben Carson if he's on the, on the poll. And then I'm like, okay, well, no, let's actually make my vote count. All right, let's pick Rubio Cruz. Rubio dropped out. Oh, fuck. Well, okay then. So it's Cruz or Trump. Okay. Well, then I've been watching Cruz's campaign, and he was a lying little scumbag. Yeah, I'm no Cruz fan myself, but... I, I, I mean, and I apologize if there are viewers who liked Cruz, but and I, I, it's, it's way in the past, so I'm not even going to bother to go into why or some of the things that he had done during the campaign, but a lot of them were very scummy little things, and I just really didn't appreciate it. And it was literally two days before the election came around to Pennsylvania that uh, I decided I was going to cast my primary vote for Trump. Oh, so my mother Trump was a already. very, very strong Trump supporter Yeah. And, uh, for a while. So we both, I think, cast our votes for Trump. But I wasn't really enthusiastic about it or really felt that it was important until, I guess, three major events. The San Bernardino shooting was the first yeah. one when it really started to become clear that our national security was one of the most important things, of course, but that response was good. Yeah. Um, Orlando, same, yep. same interest, but the thing that made me buy the damn hat, because I kept threatening on Twitter, <laughs> I'm going to buy the hat. hat. <laughs> uh, I'm going to buy the hat. I'm going to buy the hat, people. Don't make me buy the hat. I bought the hat. Nice. The reason I bought the hat was because of what happened in uh, San Jose when they, when oh. Donald Trump supporters were attacked. Yeah, which and also didn't get the, very much media coverage, by the way. I was astounded. I that was like, well, there was like some riots at the Trump rally. And like, no, 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 there were, there, I mean, riots is a good word. That's better than protests. But this was violent targeting of people for their political opinions. This is yeah, completely wrong. This is completely un-American. Right. And the, 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 the thing that bothered me there was the half-hearted, uh, attempts at saying, "Oh yeah, well, violence is never uh, is never an option, but Donald Trump supporters deserve it because of Donald Trump's rhetoric. Because he calls for violence, right? <laughs> but which, that justifies our actual violence, yeah, which he doesn't right. anyway. But right, but apparently, because you disagree with Donald Trump's with Donald Trump's opinions, anybody at his rally who supports him, you're allowed to attack." That yeah. seemed to be the media narrative. I know Rachel Maddow said something very similar to that. And I never saw what I wanted to see out of the Democrats, which was a brash and important condemnation of that kind of behavior. Oh, Hillary still blames Trump in yeah. part. Mm -hmm. She said like, well, he kind of invites this. No, 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 no. Let's be clear. There's only one party. There's only one side being violent now. And they, they won't. There's a lot of, I mean, it's not like there's no um, dishonesty on the right, but the several key points of dishonesty on the left that are pushing me farther away. One is the violent tendencies that you're talking about too. And it's interesting that you mentioned Orlando as kind of a, a driving point for you to convert because that to me really cemented what was at stake here. Uh, mm -hmm. um, and it really cemented the left's problem with political Islam radical Islam. Some people just say Islam, Islamism, however you want to characterize it. Um, the responses of, yeah, there's a problem with, with 
<laughs> radical Islam and targeting of people for killing, senseless killing. And then, of course, the, the Hillary's response and the general last response was like, well, maybe if that AR-15 hadn't gotten up on its own and walked in. And it wasn't even an AR-15. It was a Sig Sauer rifle. But if it hadn't, if hadn't got up and walked on its own in there and shot a bunch of people with its own agency, if we just ban all the guns, yep. then we'll be fine. And that dishonesty continues to this day. There are people of a of a particular political motivation, religious motivation, ideology, political religiously meshed ideology that want to kill us because we don't share their worldview. And we need to be honest about that. The left won't be honest about it. We just need to hug, right. just hug them more, hug ISIS. Yeah. It'll all go away. No. I mean, honestly, I think uh, Islam in the global sense is is probably, in my opinion, the most significant existential threat to the United States. Some people would say there's bigger mm -hmm. economic problems, things like that. I think it's the, the most significant threat we face. And, and, and there's one party that just, <coughs> just, just fingers in the ears, la, 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 nothing to do with the religion of peace. No, we need to get serious about this. And maybe it's, and, maybe the Muslim ban isn't the right idea. Uh, you know, maybe... I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, but Trump is right on diagnosing the problem. And when we diagnose right. the problem correctly, we can debate the solution. Right. Uh, we can we can have lots of conversations about how to fix the issue. But the thing is, like you just said, that the entire Democratic Party, it seems, does not want to address Islam or radical Islam or whatever you want to call it as a problem. They don't want to address any, and then this goes back to the refugee uh, crisis, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Uh, they definitely call it that in Europe now. Uh, when we had a lot of legitimate concerns about the refugee crisis, going about bringing refugees into the country, and they don't want to talk about any legitimate concerns. They just want to say, no, religion of peace, you're an Islamophobe, go away. Isn't it, I mean, it's been talked to death, but the bizarre marriage of the left progressives and islamism which is the most illiberal the most anti-progressive the most oppressive just the every, everything progressivism stands for islam islamism political islam opposes right women's rights oppose gay rights oppose uh, religious freedom oppose uh the right to be a minority in any sense oppose will kill you if you are and yet they coddle it it's so weird why is islam on the top of the victim hierarchy or the the progressive stack as they call it? i i don't know i would love to talk to these people about this stuff but the problem is getting getting those types to come on and just have a exchange of ideas they just won't do it just you're a white supremacist you're a bigot you're this you're that they just won't do it and but. um and that goes back to a way long ago conversation about feminism that I, it's a point that i wanted to bring up was um if like I'm happy to talk. I'm, I'm on live stream with you. We can disagree and all that. We can argue. I'm happy to argue my points, my beliefs, and that's because I hold those beliefs. I really do. I believe what I say, and I feel that I can adequately defend my positions based on facts. Since I can do that, I'm happy to debate and have a conversation, have a dialogue. But yet, that does not seem to be the case with most people on the left. Feminists, in particular, I have noticed. But exactly that. I have plenty of things I could talk about, about the problems that go on with radical Islam. Yeah. Why does nobody want to discuss this? I, why I is of, this an off-limits topic? I kind of have a theory as to why they won't engage with their enemies. And it, the theory is that 
at least in my opinion, their worldview depends to some, to some extent on the demonization of others and like the creation of others and everyone's in a box and you know, you're a bad person. If you're here, you're a white supremacist, you're a misogynist, you're whatever. So I'll mm -hmm. never talk to them. But the, the thing I think that they don't like is that, I mean, it, classic example is here like a year ago i would have been a casual bernie guy you would have been a casual carson guy and we probably wouldn't have had much in common lo and behold the events of the last year bring us together and we probably agree on most if not everything here that's pretty interesting yeah. and generally speaking even if you sit down with someone that that you agree uh you have no areas of agreement or so you think you sit down and you actually agree on a lot of issues of fact on a lot of issues of principle and maybe you you end up in a different place conclusion wise but you usually walk away from a conversation thinking like yeah you know uh we have probably more in common than i thought i don't agree with him but i understand how he reaches his conclusion they don't like that because you can't demonize a person once you've done that you can't put them into another box you can't make them the other you can't treat them as subhuman as they like to do to other people their worldview and their ideology depends on the ability to separate people as the other like that and if you kind of converse with them and figure out what they actually stand for and what their reasoning is you can't really do that and their worldview sort of crumbles if it, if you do that's mm -hmm. my theory i don't i don't know they, they, they might just be they might be bigots themselves i don't know <laughs> who knows i don't know it's i think they are you know it's a, it's a terrible question or a terrible thing to say i mean I don't believe that if you do have those kind of racial prejudices, I don't believe that that stops you from being able to have a debate on the facts. And that that when I say this, I say this in my with a couple of in, black supremacists in mind who mm -hmm. I think of when I think of racism, who Uhuru, truly, truly, truly right? believe, huh? Ohuru or whatever that guy says, you know, black Hitler on YouTube. Uh, well, he he's one, but even less, <laughs> even less than them, like just. Uh, there's um, Sensei Ashimatsu is one. Her oh, name's Seren. I, I did a video on her. I uh, actually did a stream on her. Uh, just talking about black supremacy about her and her views. Uh, Pharaoh Allah is another one who will straight up tell you that he believes that black people are superior to white people. They have uh, a significant amount of uh, hatred towards white people. And this is who I think of when I think of uh, an actual racist. And you know what? I will still not only listen to them, but I will also uh, look at their facts and, and, and support their rights to say what they're saying. Absolutely. I mean, uh, this is, this is a key area of disagreement between me as a, I mean, I would argue, I, th I think the regressive left are the, are not the liberals and that the classical liberals are the true liberals, but we can, we're getting into semantics of, you know, who's the liberal on the left and this kind of stuff. Um, but uh, the key area of disagreement for someone like me and who, uh, or a key area of disagreement for someone like me and w the people who are now on this, this so-called regressive left is, uh, guys, I lost my train of thought. I got lost in the details anyway. Where, yeah. I mean, where, where I'm going with this is, um, just kind of like the banning of, ideas we spoke about it earlier but race we all agree racism is a bad idea right the ra the racial supremacy that you're talking about most people agree it's a bad idea now we we probably all want to live in a society where that idea is minimized you're never going to erase an idea but you know its influence is minimized it's not politically powerful people who believe it are kind of fringe and powerless 
So do you want that? Do you want that society to exist because people are banned from thinking about the idea, or do you want that society to exist because everyone has given thought to the idea and, and considered all the facts and considered the reasoning and thought, mm, you know, all things considered, I think black supremacy or white supremacy are bad ideas. So I don't really believe in them. However, I'm not going to go into the fetal position in the corner if someone dares discuss the idea as a potential thing to think in your head. I mean, exactly. Daryl Lamont Jenkins proved it. There's a segment of the population that literally wants to control the thoughts in your mind. Uh, and mm -hmm. perhaps the guy you were engaged with on Twitter is of the same persuasion. Daryl Lamont Jenkins kept saying, what happens when thoughts become actions? Well, the logical conclusion of what you're putting forth, that there's this inextricable link between thoughts and actions, means that we literally should be monitoring the thoughts in people's heads as a preventative mechanism for potential future bad things they might do. And he even said that to me toward the end when I asked him, like, what have I done? Punish my action if I take action. He says, consider this a preemptive strike. Yeah. Consider this a preemptive strike. That's how these people think. You, these are literal thought police, literal mind control agents. No, I don't want bad ideas to erase, to go away because of mind control. That's a creepy thought. That is a creepy thought. And I don't have a problem with monitoring the speech of people that you disagree with, and especially the speech of people that you might consider to be hateful or that they say, you know, they say things that may be may lead to violence. You know, an example of this would be I don't think we should just stop paying attention to the Whisper Baptist Church. Yes. I'm not saying that they're violent right now. Maybe they will become violent or maybe they will have a violent member in the future. I'm certainly advocating their right to speak what they believe. But yeah, of course we should monitor their speech and and watch them given their hate when you say we right? though do you mean like gov who's we who who's we just people just, or i think people just media let's just keep, let, let's have have them in check let's make sure that they continue to be watched and i don't necessarily mean a government watch list well i i'll, I'll go to bat for westboro baptist just a little bit i mean and you agree that they should be allowed to speak and of course i think that their ideas are terrible of course the most the most repulsive to me is the idea of protesting a soldier's funeral which of course mm -hmm. they've done um but then they've done many things that most people with a, a heart would agree are pretty terrible however westboro baptist has been very important in testing and pushing the limits of the first amendment and Absolutely. establishing incredibly important precedent that the rest of us honestly benefit from truly do benefit from and that is your ability to say the most provocative the most horrible the most wildly unpopular things without prosecution for that i do actually thank westboro baptist church and the other thing i would give them credit for and i know you know you, you're kind of maybe worried about the effects of some of the things they say if i'm characterizing your position correctly but to my knowledge i don't think they've ever 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 actually harmed a person like physically harmed someone or done any kind of like vandal vandalism yeah, behavior right. or hurting people or anything like that they've just said awful awful things but yes i no, as a matter of principle yeah i i, I don't I mean to, go to bat that, for them i don't no of course yeah i don't yeah. mean to say that the westboro breakfast church is violent that's not yeah, what yeah. i meant to no, no, and I'm not saying you are. I'm saying I give them credit for being as inflammatory as they are without going to that length. Well, and you know, and this is one thing. Um, I'm trying to remember the case, uh, Fel Snyder v. Phelps. 
yeah. uh, is the landmark case that happened with the Westboro Baptist Church. And what I found, because I, I actually listened to the cases of websites you can go on, listen to Supreme Court cases. Um, what I found interesting about that was the the felt or excuse me the Snyders never even knew that the Westboro Baptist Church was there until it was publicized on the media. They oh, stayed I didn't for know that. yeah they stayed okay. for less than ten minutes and there were only fourteen people there, and they left before the funeral had actually started. Yeah, and apparently all of those things are pretty typical when the Westboro Baptist Church actually even protests these funerals and stuff. Not yeah. that I'm not saying that it, I'm but, advocating it. Of course, have not. you ever seen Westboro Baptist IRL in real life? I have not. But, they came um, here to Bozeman fun. like two years ago at Montana really? State for no apparent reason. Really, they just showed up with their like, you know, God hates fags signs and stuff. There was no event really going on. They just showed up and literally, I mean, Westboro Baptist is a, is the Phelps family, and that's about it. There were probably five of them with signs and probably like 2000 or more anti Westboro people just going, I mean, everything was peaceful, but it was like, (laughs) it was, it was honestly like, this is, it's just some idiot with a God hates fag sign. This is the show. This is kind of pathetic to be honest. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And that's what we, uh, that's what we make um, this the media focuses so much on the Westboro Baptist Church uh, as if they're such so so important to uh, what they do, and and that as if they're this massive big thing, and they're not. Uh, and that's and that's exactly uh, right. But that that warms my heart a little bit to see that people are are coming out opposing them. I didn't know that, and I wish we did know that on the media stage. Uh, one of my biggest pet peeves with them well, as a, a college Christian. campus too. So you know how that is. These no hate on our camp. I mean, in this case, they're actually right because what's I mean, let's be honest, Westboro Absolutely. Baptist is a hateful group, but. Um, but yeah, but you know, college kids, but yeah, oh, I'm, I get to go out and virtue signal today. Lucky me. You know? well, what I want to see is, I mean, churches, especially when there's a soldier's funeral or something, I think in the area as a Christian, Westboro Baptist church is probably the most famous church in the nation. That's a terrible thing. They do not represent Christianity. They represent the Phelps family. Well, and it bothers me that Christian Christians together do not go out and, protest them and what do you I mean when you say a church though do you mean like a specific church or do you mean like the catholic church no i mean i mean the church of christianity i don't even specifically mean the catholic church i mean local churches i have we have yeah. i live in a town of about um maybe how many people do we have about about thirty thousand people we have uh and that's in a massive rural outside out out span area and um we have 94 churches registered in our area hmm that's a hell of a lot of churches. So when we, and I, and this is pretty typical, especially of East Coast towns. Why are there not Christian churches of all types coming to these soldier soldiers' funerals and anti picketing the Westboro Baptists and saying, "No, look, you're representing us. You're you're not. This is wrong. God does not hate facts. I don't God know if churches facts. do, but I mean, from what I've seen, they definitely they get counter protested pretty hard. Good. I mean, even, I the, even at the RNC, like it wasn't Westboro, but it was these people called street preachers, which are just a functional equivalent, the same thing, like mm-hmm. megaphone, um, you know, like you're going to hell for your love of the homos and your, you know, all that stuff. And th- I mean, the amount of counter protests that they inspired was just, it would drown them out essentially. Um, but it also surprises me too, that people get like there were some people at the rnc just getting so pissed off at these guys and it's like they are 
so clearly provocateurs. I mean, maybe they kind of believe, maybe their beliefs are sincere, I guess, but they're literally coming here, honestly, to piss you off. That's just what it oh, seems yeah. like. And, and you're just biting the bait. Like if you don't want to listen to the, nobody's at, nobody find me a person who goes to a Westboro Baptist protest or these street preachers protests and be like, you know, I was on the fence before, but I think I, I'm kind of into this like anti everything. You're going to go to hell message. I'm, I'm on board and they join like that's never happened. So you don't need to go scream at them to minimize their message. It's not a rational person's message anyway. Um, and it's always the loud minority that's heard in every, I guess, organization. And that goes for the religions too. You know, I guess for uh, Christianity, it might be Westboro Baptist right now. That's good because they could be worse. They could be like blowing shit up and stuff. So I'm, I'm glad that they're not. Uh, and then I guess for Islam, you could call that ISIS. And, uh, you know, well, it's it really, always the loud minority. We never seem to hear from uh, the majority of people. It bothers me though, when people try to make an equivalence, but for example, though, between like Westboro Baptist and ISIS, because like, f first off, their actions are not equivalent at all, let alone their numbers. Like they're not the same in, in scope or scale. They're also right. not this, the Westboro Baptist is not the Christian state. Westboro Baptist is right. not like taking over territory and cutting off people's heads and mutilating children right. and, and doing the awful, awful things uh, that, that ISIS is doing. Not to mention that Westboro Baptist it does terrible in public opinion polling. Their approval really ratings are not very high, whereas ISIS's are higher than you would think in the Islamic world. They're not. They're not so bad. People understand where they're coming from. So it's totally. I mean, when people try to draw those things as the same, no. I wish. I wish ISIS was Westboro because they'd just be a bunch of annoying people just standing there doing nothing really. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm glad that Westboro is an ISIS, but I meant uh, radical fringes wise. Oh, yeah. They are that Westboro is the radical fringe of Christianity. ISIS is the radical fringe of Islam. The, the, I'm not saying that the radicalness is actually equivalent. <laughs> yeah, I'm one's way more rad, dude. One, one is, is way more radical. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one actually kills people. And, and well, and, even <laughs> that's a debate. Um, you talk about the, whether the term radical applies. Like ISIS is just followed the following the instruction manual very, very right. well. Is that radical or is that just, Hey, you're good. You're good at reading the book and following it really, really well. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, the, this, this moderate Muslim debate, I, I'm probably eventually going to do a video about moderate Islam. If, if there is such a thing, uh, there is in the U S and in the, you know, in Western. Well, society. is there, because I, I equate this to, Jews, for example, who eat pork. Um, you're, they're not following the word of the law. They're not following the word of their religion. And maybe they, you know, they go to church once a week or whatever. But are they, would they be considered among, you know, the Jewish faith as quote unquote good Jews? Well, no, they, they eat pork. They don't do this. They don't, whatever. That would, I think, be the same thing from, for, for Islam to American Muslims. You know, these Muslims, they might not wear hijabs all the time, or they might paint their, yeah. the women might paint their nails, or etc. That that is not good Islam. That is not, and 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 even even the radical Islamists will talk uh, American Muslims and how they are too moderate. Right. So we want bad Muslims, not moderate Muslims. <laughs> well, no, I'm saying that if you're a Muslim in the United States, how can you advocate what's going on in the rest of the world? Of course, I'm well, not saying we. Uh, we I, we want bad Muslims and not moderate Muslims. I am saying that um, is that a good Muslim? I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, the thing, basically what we want is people of secular values, regardless of their faith. I mean, people who are able to separate what they do on Sunday to go to their, or, you know, whatever day you do it, depending on whatever um, faith you're a part of. But people that are able to separate that element of their personal life from their public uh, political life. And the problem is globally, Islam and politics are just intertwined to a degree they can't be separated. When I think of moderate Muslims as, as you know, what we're supposed to believe are some people try to persuade us they're the majority of global uh, Muslims or the majority of globalism. They're not. The polling data is clear about that. But the ones who are here who, um, who are perfectly fine, you know, contributors of society and they're able to, they value our constitution and Western values of secularism more than they value or they, they value them in this differently, I guess they could say. They see the separation of their personal faith and the way politics operates in a secular realm. And I don't know how you convince the rest of the world to separate religion and politics <laughs> like that. But, I mean, you're going to have well, to. I mean, the, the fact remains, you don't, you don't see Islamic democracy. You don't see Islamic freedom. You don't see Islamic equality in places where in places that are majority or all Muslim, it's totalitarian. It's live this way or die. Um, I, I just, people who think that like Islamism and democracy, secularism, the wet, what the West has decided is the best system. And I would say what is the best system objectively, they just, they're, I don't know. It's, it's square peg round hole. You got to take your pick. You can't just hug your way out yeah. of it. I, I hope you're right when you say that the majority of, of Muslims in the United States do hold our values. Oh, I don't the, know. The I don't know about that. that. You, There's polling to suggest otherwise. Right. I don't know. Either. There are some. Well, there, well <laughs> is, there, is there polling here? Because I have yet to see it. I've seen lots of polling in other countries that is very, very, very uh, opposed to the narrative. There's a higher amount. I don't have the stats in front of me, but there's a higher amount than you would expect that support Sharia law as state law within the United States. Right. I don't think it's majority actually, um, but it's, it's high majorities in other countries, high majorities in the Islamic world. I I think it's something like, yeah, like a third or something. It's something higher than I'd expect, but not a majority in the United States. I'm just get. I'm trying to remember, but. Well, but I mean, I remember polling for in in Europe, you know, France, Germany, England after the Paris attacks, and then again after the Nice attacks, uh, questioning whether or not uh, terrorism is a an acceptable form of getting your message across, yeah. and a very surprising amount of Muslims in those countries agree with that. I've never seen a poll like that done here, and I would like to see that poll. I'm pretty sure they exist. I, I don't have it handy, but um, I, I'm pretty sure I haven't those been things able to exist. find them. I, I haven't gone digging, digging crazy. Hey, Marty, that's one that you can do. Yeah. Well, the thing about, <laughs> I mean, if you've seen it in Europe, I mean, if you kind of buy the the theory that what's going on in Europe is maybe, I don't know, 10, 15, maybe shorter years away from what would happen here if we continue down the policy uh, direction that Europe went. That is to say, if we kind of, uh, you know, open the floodgates to Islamic immigration, Islamic refugees, um, these are the kind of things that you would expect. So if, if, if that is the direction we're going to go, that we're going to hug our way out of all the world's problems, um, you would certainly expect the kind of thing you're worried about, which is surprising levels of people who think terror is an appropriate response to political disagreement or other perceived injustice. You would see that rise. I mean, that's just a, that's just a matter of the the facts, and you know, I mean, uh, oftentimes the facts can be 
troublesome pesky things when when facts are racist when facts are intolerant when facts are islamophobic but i I don't i don't want what's going on in europe and i i don't think i'm racist or bigoted for saying that i don't want my neighbors getting raped i don't want (laughs) you know i don't want muslim ghettos where, where sharia law is enforced uh, and it has nothing to do with Muslims as people. It has everything to do with their political doctrine and right. the, and where their political loyalties lie. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I know there's a bit of a controversy going on right now where uh, Gigi Gorgeous, who's a famous, has gone to Dubai or is going to Dubai. I'm not exactly sure if she, I think she came back. And, um, or she may be, a, she might even be transgender. I'm honestly not sure. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. Um, I think I saw this. Yeah, Blair White, I know, was was uh, tweeting out, and Lawrence Southern and some other were, ta- were talking about it. Oh, so, you know, you're going to go to a country like uh, United Arab Emirates uh, the, and in the Middle East where homosexuality is criminalized, including in UAE and in other uh, nations surrounding it, and make it seem like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a transsexual, but uh, it's totally fine. They're totally cool with me. Look, everybody go to Dubai. <laughs> I... And then you have these false equivalences too. Like um, the struggle for me in kind of my ongoing political identity crisis right now is a lot of the shows I used to love. I can't watch them anymore. And I'm trying to decide, did I change or did they change? And there's a lot of competing theories on that. One of which is Bill Maher's show. I love real time. I love Bill Maher. However, to me, the show has just become like the uh, uh, echo chamber of everything's racist and sexist in the social yeah. justice spirit. And it just sucks. But a couple of weeks ago they had Paul Begala on the panel, who is a longtime democratic strategist. And they were talking about one thing bill maintains honesty on is global Islam, political Islam. And the fact that not all religions are created equally. And the fact that um, these Islamic cultures are highly oppressive. And so they were talking about gay people in Islamic culture as you were just there. I mean, it's criminalized, um, and sometimes it's punishable by death, which is of course awful. And Paul Begala said on the show, yeah, but how many Republicans want that in the United States? And he was serious. Uh, and Bill and some of the other panel members were like, Crim- they want it criminalized. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, they do. No, no. Show me one Republican. Maybe you're better plugged into the Republican circles than I am. I don't know a single Republican who wants to criminalize homosexuality criminalize i i don't know of i don't know of that. i've never heard such and a I, thing I, but people think that it's the same well and though that maybe there are i mean there are those people in the westboro baptist church who believe that i think and and you know and there are radical fringes of everything and, and i'm sure that there are those people exist but then there are also leftists who would criminalize uh the being white i'm sure there are so, leftists who would criminalize this show. So there are there. Are, <laughs> yes. Uh, you can't, you can't paint uh, the, the majority by the, the voice of the minority, which is something that I'm told frequently uh, by feminists, especially and by black lives matter activists, but, but they mostly. do it all the time. They pretend they're the majority when they're clearly not. Uh, and, but I mean, you can't, you can't take the word of a radical feminist and, and, and paint all feminism with it, except that nobody's able to give me a, a definition of who isn't a radical feminism or who is a good feminist, you know, but you know, it's, I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, I do live in a very, very conservative area of, I mean, I live in the most conservative area of Pennsylvania, which is South central Pennsylvania. And um, it's basically it's basically redneck land down here. You wouldn't think it, but we're famous for our Amish and our Mennonites and our and our apple pies. Yeah, that's right. I forget that's a big deal there. 
Uh huh. Uh, so we're you know we're almost as conservative as the deep south in a lot of places. So if there's any place that uh, believes that it would be it would be here. And I can admit that I have heard people, for example, advocating um, gunning down Black Lives Matter activists. I've heard that, but that's about as radical as it gets. I've never heard of anybody talking about um, you know the. Um, Illegalizing Islam or you know, banning all Muslims uh, from being in the country, yeah. I mean, and by that I mean you know American-born Muslims or anything. Well, I've never heard that advocated. Well, here's where it gets interesting, and people will ask me this question from time to time, and I I don't have a good answer, so it's probably about high time I sat down and tried to construct one. But you and I being, I think, on pretty similar territory in terms of the value of free speech and the importance of free speech, and probably at some level of similar territory on the the threat or the the bad thing that is islam the political ideology what do we because i i i oppose islam the political ideology and i view it as such a threat that it's motivating senseless killings all over the world that the logical conclusion approaches the territory of do you ban it I mean, do we like, do we ban Islamism? Do we ban Sharia law? Do you ban ideas? And if so, how do we square that with what we're purporting to say, which is we value all ideas, no matter what. Um, I am of course a, a big proponent of freedom of speech, but and I, I mentioned I'm, it's not just about freedom of speech to me. It's about the first amendment. Yeah. So I care about freedom of the press incredibly. I care about the, of course, yes, freedom of speech. I care about the right to redress of grievances and to protest and to gather. And of course, I also uh, believe in the right to establishment and practice of religion. And that goes for Islam as well. And I've, I've been criticized in my own circles because uh, as a Christian, many Christians oppose, for example, um, you need to have the, you need to allow this pastor to go and teach in this public school or whatever, you know, oh my God, they banned this pastor from coming or they banned this organization from doing something in public school. And I keep telling them, well, we have freedom of religion in this country. Why don't you think about it as if it was Islam, you know, an imam coming in and talking, would you be okay with that in your kids? And the answer is of course, no. And so I, I believe in freedom of speech and freedom of religion, and I do believe that, that Islam has the right under the Constitution to practice its religion here. I don't believe we have the right just to say, oh, you're too hateful or too wrong or anything like that to say you're not allowed to be here. It does yeah, I mean, cross a line, and I think that line has already been drawn by our, our uh laws which is terroristic threats and uh, inciting violence and inciting riots that when you have for example an imam perhaps that says something violent yes they absolutely should be prosecuted if that violence meet if that speech meets that level that we have required uh in our legislation uh, of of inciting violence or or uh, inciting a riot, which, is, which like is pretty high i mean he not only does he have to go up there and say like i want all the jews dead but he's got to say like and here's a very specific and plan to do tomorrow. it, and you should help me at this time meet up here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, here's the thing is like, and I, I think we share a lot of the same yep. ideas and values here. Is like, I've, if you're my neighbor, if you're, if Ranthony's my neighbor, do whatever you want in your own house, Ranthony. I don't care. I don't care how weird, how freaky, whatever. Worship whoever you want. All I ask is that you don't come over and shit on my lawn or come in my house and tell me what to do, all of that sort of thing. The problem is right. 
political Islam comes in your house and says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to cut off your head or we're going to cut off your head. So how far am I willing to go in being preventative with that intrusion? And it, and it appears to violate everything else I stand for. And I just, it wraps my head in circles and almost, and you said something there that kind of intrigued me too, because it almost makes a social justice warrior out of me or, you know, like, Oh, well we can't, we can't have these ideas around here because they're unsafe, you know? <laughs> and then I, I'm betraying everything that I rally for and everything I, you know, I try to stand up for. So, man, it's tough. Basically. I just want people who to be in this country, you have to agree on the set of rules and the set of values that we have set up. And it's, and that's, if, if you agree on the constitution and the, the rules of the game for the United States, you're fine to be my neighbor as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Um, when you, you mentioned about illegalizing Sharia, or of course legalizing Sharia in the United States, um, there there does come a distinction in religious freedom. And I, I mean, all of this has been established in various court cases uh, of what can and cannot be done in the name of the First Amendment. And most of it, to be honest, I usually do agree with those decisions I think we've done a pretty good job of establishing the First Amendment in the United States. And Sharia, Sharia is in, many, many tenets of Sharia are in direct violation of laws that we have established in the United States. Yeah. It's not just an ideology or an advocacy or uh, anything like that. No, the, if you are practicing Sharia, you are violating, in some aspects of it anyway, you are violating our set laws and you cannot do that. And that doesn't, freedom like of cutting religion. cutting off people's does heads, not, for example. <laughs> the perfect example, yes. But I was also thinking of lesser things like that, like the false imprisonment, or yeah. like uh, forcing, you know, forcing other people to do certain things, like members of your family, uh, like women, maybe I like, might be talking about maybe. Yeah, or, I'd be interested course, to, your learn, wife or children. to learn more about it because I keep hearing these stories of you know these areas in in London or these areas in um, Sweden or areas of Germany where Sharia. It's of course not the state's justice system, but it's like the de facto justice system within a Muslim neighborhood or a Muslim area. I'd be interested to know. Cause I don't know anything about how the state handles that. Like the state goes in and basically prosecutes the prosecutions of Sharia. I mean, that's what would have to happen, right? Like you are punishing people, the punishment you're laying on people in pursuit of your local justice system is a violation of the state's justice system. That's like next, that's just deception. Right. I guess it's right weird to think other about right. Yeah. And, and that's where you end up having to draw some kind of a distinction in the constitution, especially where my rights begin and your rights end. And I, as much as, of course, I value the First Amendment, I do not value your First Amendment rights over anybody else's First Amendment rights and, or other amendment rights. And that that's those distinctions that have to be drawn. So I don't believe that we have to go so far as to say, okay, well, we're going to ban Muslims, we're going to ban a certain thought, or we're going to stop you know, allowing mosques because those are things that I would be completely opposed to doing. But we do have established laws already that are in place that will protect us from becoming a Sharia state or that will protect uh, against um, inflammatory speech that would, like you said, we are going to go kill the Jews and we're going to do it tomorrow. That kind of speech would be, you know, be criminalized in the, in this nation. I think we're good, but that requires uh, us to keep the laws and practices that we have in place today in place. Plus we're Whether that will yeah. stay, I don't know. 
I mean, if, if the wrong people get some political influence, I mean, it's, it, you seem like maybe you're somewhat of a Supreme Court nerd or just kind of like a justice <laughs> system nerd in general, which I can identify with. I, 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 I'm kind of casual in my, I, I enjoy reading those opinions or listening to the, to the oral argument and that kind of stuff. But can you imagine the history of the First Amendment cases redone by sjw's and you, know, you talk about like where where do your rights begin and mine and well the first amendment has a clear line and it stops at hurt feelings uh mm-hmm. all, all that's gonna come in is is uh petitioner uh we're gonna ask you were your feelings hurt yes respondent i'm sorry about that well clearly uh judgment in favor of the petitioner feelings were hurt yeah. feelings were hurt i mean you, uh, it's absurd it's an oh. absurd premise but as the more I, I'm telling you, man, I'm not that worried about it because as Milo says, and I think he's right, social justice is at its like all time highest influence right now and it's and it's losing. So I'm not that worried they're going to get meaningful political influence. But mm-hmm. if they were in charge of the legislature and the executive and if they if they had their own justices, it would be the most absurd crap ever. I don't want that world. Absolutely. Yeah. It- I, I, there are, it's funny because you say that, and I think about especially religious freedom cases, and I wonder where would the social justice warriors stand? How would they decide this case? Is a landmark case, National Socialist Party versus Skokie. Yeah. Where Skokie, Illinois, full of uh, uh, Jews and a lot of Holocaust I know how they'd survivors. decide that one. <laughs> huh? I know how the SJWs would decide that one. Well, I, I think so, Yeah. But that would also mean they have to side with religion. I suppose. Yeah, maybe you're right. They'd have to side with the the, the Jewish, uh, the Jews who are opposing the Nazi party. Yeah. Who wanted to come and speak. uh, They do a a peaceful rally in Skokie. And like, I I wonder, you know, they was so they'd have to. But I don't know. Then then again, you know, they screech anti-Semitism almost as much. So they'd probably say they'd probably say the Nazis can march in Skokie. But the Jews can't march in the Muslim ghetto. That would be because I don't know. Muslims are higher victims I, than Jews. Jews are higher victims than Nazis because nobody's Nazis are like the bottom of the victim stack. That Nazis aren't a victim at all. Yeah, they're not a victim at all. I, I, there's a, that victim hierarchy. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I that's one of the reasons why I think in, in every possible facet is so important because if if you don't have it, then that means that you require somebody to decide who does and who doesn't have it or what kind of speech is or isn't allowed. And I think that's something that the social justice warriors do not seem to get a hold of, that if we allow that, if we allow the banning of certain types of speech, you, I don't think so. It's going to be a government that might ultimately decide these things in a way you don't like. Well, that and that's the problem is these people never have the foresight to see how how the precedent they're setting will ultimately bite them. I mean, it's the same thing with the. I I can't understand why Seth Rogen or Amy Schumer or any or like even um, uh, Sarah Silverman gets onto this social justice crap sometimes. It's like, how could you, as a comedian whose job it is to push the boundaries of what's acceptable, get on this like? words hurt bandwagon and don't be mean bandwagon when your livelihood depends on being edgy how can you not have the foresight to see that they're going to bite you next year when you say something that's like one percent sexist or or you know whatever racist whatever i i don't understand you wait well and that's one of the things i know um 
the Gian Gomeshi trial, if you've ever heard of, of mm-hmm. that, the uh, famous rape case in Canada, was a similar situation. And as bad as it was, I guess, for Gomeshi, he was a staunch feminist advocate. Uh, he had participated in rallies and a bunch of stuff, trying to get some of the same laws that were ultimately used against him in Canada. And it was almost kind of a he was being unfairly tried. He was also being tried under the same laws that he wanted to see. And it is very karmatic, I guess. Hmm. Well, you've got you certainly uh, got a pretty nuanced understanding. Are you planning to go into like a legal career or what's your ambition for the future? Uh, yeah, I, I, I plan to do something law. I haven't really, I've been thinking about it. I might, I don't know. It, a lot depends this, this coming year, uh, what kind of internships I can secure and see what I can do. But yeah, that's what I, I think. I really enjoy it. So <laughs> I'm going to probably do that. Yeah. There was once a time where I wanted to go to law school and I took the LSAT and all that stuff and then decided oh. that my, I don't know, everyone I know who's a lawyer pretty much hates their life. So <laughs> I have a, I have an intellectual interest in the laws. It seems like you do too. And, but I, you know, I kind of realized you don't go to a law, you don't go to law school for intellectual interest. You go to law school as a, for a practical purpose. And, um, I don't have any interest in lawyering or I don't, I just don't want, I, I don't know. I don't want a stressful life like that, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've definitely thought about going to law school. I've also thought, well, I mean, I could live quite comfortably as a paralegal perhaps. And yeah. I, that, that very, that kind of work I would love to do. So I'm thinking maybe that, I don't know. I got, you don't, you don't want to work. work for someone else though. Working for someone else is for suckers. You're too smart for that. <laughs> That's, well, maybe. You, you had to figure out a way to, to work for yourself. Do my own practice. Yeah, I don't know. But we'll if I, I mean, that's pretty tough to get to 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 work your way up to in the the law world. So I'm told. Which I, I am kind of curious. Well, I don't. But I don't know. I live in the middle of nowhere. We yeah. still need lawyers out here. So yeah. that everyone might needs it. That's true. I mean, if you've got a, if you've got yeah. a big name or you know an impressive resume, you can kind of pick and choose where you want to do where you want to go. That type of type of thing. What I, I mean, I imagine you didn't envision a YouTube career early on in your life. No. So what, um, what, what were you thinking? What were you going to do? No, and it's um, to be clear, it's certainly not my career at this. I actually just quit my day yeah. job like two months ago. Oh, um, congratulations! I've, I've not actually not even that long. It's been my last day was July first, so it's been like six weeks. Um, and uh, I can't really get into the details of what that I, I used to do uh, data analytics and research in a, in a kind of an advocacy organization, uh, a nonprofit organization, oh, nice. which is kind of interesting. But it, 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 like everything else, became infested with social justice, which was super annoying. And um, but, you know, I didn't hate it. I could put up with that crap. Um, but I, I've saved up a little bit of money for myself. And and you're you're right. Like YouTube is accidental for me and it is for a lot of people. However, the more I do it, the more I enjoy it. And it's got to a point in my life where, as I was saying, like, am I going to work for somebody else and, you know, be a slave with a mediocre income for the rest of my life? Or, 
you know, can I take, um, can I take what I've saved and try to maximize my asset here? So that's what I'm, I'm trying to do now. I certainly don't expect to become like career YouTube, but what I want to do, and you know, soon I'm going to rebrand my channel under, it's going to be just my name. I'm going to be just me. I'm going to try to, you know, build what I can for the rest of the year. And ultimately, you know, it'd be nice to use that as a, an asset to get a job in doing media for somebody else or, you know, writing for somebody, something like that is what I'd really like to do. Um, YouTube for me was actually, uh, I, I got involved in it cause I had play video games with my friends on call of duty. And if you've ever played call of duty, like people just back in the day, people would just rage at you and talk shit and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So I would just record those encounters cause they're really funny. And, um, and it was just like this side hobby thing. I didn't really care. Just I had these like funny clips that I'd put on there. And then that, you know, that grew a little bit over time. The game started to get stale, played less, kind of dabbled a little bit in the social commentary vlogging stuff, which at first made me really uncomfortable because, you know, if you're not accustomed to being on camera and, and performing, so to speak, with the world out there to scrutinize your appearance and your sound and your style and all that stuff, it's kind of tough to get into, but it, it has worked out sufficiently to, and it actually gets more fun as I do it. The more comfortable you get, the more fun it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, you know, that's why this summer, it, it, ultimately you're still a young man and actually I'm still a young man too. I'm 28. You're probably what, like 20, Two. 22. Okay. So you see, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too far ahead of you, but enough to, enough to tell you that once you get into the work world, there are going to be times where like the forces of the world, and maybe you've already experienced this in some areas, but the forces of the world try to tell you like, this is not the right space for you. You need to move on and do something else. And that's what's kind of hit me in the last, both politically and just in my real life. Like politically, this is not the space for you. You need to move on to something else. And just in my personal life and in my job, this is not the space for you, you need to move on to something else. So this is a really interesting time for me just because, um, you know, I've bought myself maybe uh, half a year's time to just kind of do what I want with it. And this is what I'm going to try to do. Can I... Can I become a media mogul? No, I don't know. Can I can I reestablish myself in, in a cool media way that I never would have predicted? That that's the goal. That's awesome, and that's what I want to do. But it is awesome, and I absolutely wish you the the best. I mean, I've I've been following your channel now for a few months, and if I'm not mistaken, you've grown pretty rapidly. Uh, it's, it's, it's always a grind. It's been. I mean, it, it's always compare sometimes because you know my channel's still small scale. I don't have delusions about my own channel's influence. Um, however, and sometimes it's easy to get down and, and, you know, I mean, it's sometimes you, it's always depends compared to what, right? Like we often compare ourselves to like the elite of YouTube. You're talking like the 1% of channels that become hugely successful. And that is so rare for people to blow up from zero to a hundred thousand subscribers. And like, you know, I think like we, we met through bearing, right. Uh, yeah. I, I knew bearing and I, I found you, bearing uploaded a video about you. And that's how I found you. I think it was actually yep. him responding to you. Right. Yep. And I, I went over and I visited. I was like, yeah. And I was like, this guy's pretty reasonable as you know. Um, and that's how I found you people like, like bearings rise. Almost nobody does that. Right. So it's, whenever I think like, oh, I wish I had grown so much, like nobody does that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's well, been a good I, run. I have to look but, at it like this. So I'm approaching 1,000 subscribers, hoping to get, hoping to get there, and I get which is the roughly, toughest, by the way. 1,000. 
well like the the initial part is the is by far the hardest starting from scratch and getting up to like 100 500,000 that's the slowest slowest growth so you've already made it a good ways yeah well that and that's a lot thanks to Baron um hugely but um I, i've tried to k- take a look at it like this i get maybe 2 300 views on each of my videos. I also have some of the most awesome commenters that uh, exist on YouTube. And I think maybe a lot of them already watch you um, because you do too. Uh, And I get a lot of comments and I look at it like, all right, I got a thousand, almost a thousand subscribers of people who sit here and they actually want to hear the stupid shit that comes out of my mouth. (laughs) It's so weird when you think about it, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Who who I can make laugh and, and that I can keep doing it for them and, you know, maybe continue to grow. Sure. But that, if I were to do this in real life, would I speak to a room of a thousand people yeah. for six minutes and they would listen to me? If that, you know, would I do that? Of course I would do that. You gotta be kidding me. I would do that for a room full of 10 people. And so when I look at it like that, I'm, it, it, it makes me feel better about, you know, size. I am very bad about that though. I am terrible about comparing myself to other, other channels like yours. You know, you're, you can't, you can't get lost in that trap, man. Exactly. You can't. You're much, much, much bigger than me. And I almost feel like, you know, you're kind of a celebrity in comparison to to me and that you could just get lost there. And it's always relative because, you know, if I get the chance to talk to somebody who's, you know, like a six figure YouTuber, that's the same. It's the exact same thing. I feel like where I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, but but in, in reality, we're all doing the same thing. We're all just people with comparable recording equipment, broadcasting something. Over the <laughs> internet. And, and it's, it is insane when I think about the scope and scale of audience, man. And, and yeah. I, I, um, I, I don't consider myself a person with stage fright, but a uh, big time speaking engagement would get me nervous like it would anybody else. And if I think if I had to speak in front of an audience like you described on the scale of like a few thousand people that would definitely have my butterflies going and you know, and it'd be pretty cool. It'd be a feather in your cap too, to say like, wow, right. There was a podium there and that many people wanted to listen to what I had to say. That's you don't think about it in that way. Cause I, I, I mean, for, so it, when in Cleveland, this has never happened to me before, but in Cleveland was the first time someone just straight up recognized me. And it was actually at Milo's party. Some dude came up to me. and was like, dude, I know you, I watch your stuff. Cool. And I was like, awesome. That has never happened before. That's it's so weird to think about. And he was a really cool kid. He went, he was a Cleveland state student. This was at Cleveland state university. Um, you, you tend to you, you talk about comparing and stuff. I always think about these things in numbers, you know, I mean, right. how did this perform numbers wise? Did it get this, you know, this many compared to that or whatever? You kind of forget every number is a, a, a person in the flesh, like a, a person yep. sitting down watching and listening and, and loving or hating or experiencing emotion about whatever you're bringing. <laughs> exactly. Regardless yeah. of whether it got 99 views or a thousand views or a million views, it's every one of them is a person. <laughs> every comment is a, is a, a new person who you made them think about something enough that they actually took the time to write yeah. down. Yeah. And even on the yeah. small scale, you know, I mean, it, even when you have, when you're just starting out and you've got like a dozen views or 50 views or, you know, hundred views or, you know, just small scale stuff, that's still mar- uh, that's still significantly larger than like what your college paper would get in terms of an audience, which is like <laughs> one or two people like the TA or the professor. And that's it. 
you know, I mean, it, it, it's small compared to six figure YouTubers, but in right. terms of what you would get if the whole thing didn't exist, it's actually quite cool. It's actually a huge amplification of your message. Before we close, there's one more thing I wanted to mention um, that you had said. Uh, um, it's it's really nice to see you know you a lifelong Democrat, me a lifelong Republican, you you who might have supported Bernie Sanders, and me who might have supported Ben Carson. And you got all these other people from all these different nations, Democrats, the Republicans, and liberals, and conservatives, and Christians, and Jews, and secular people, and Islamists, and everybody getting together, and we all have a very common ideology. I've never seen a group of people that is so diverse as our community of, I guess, anti-social justice. If yeah, you will. I think that's, I think that's actually true. That's interesting. I, not diverse in ideas, but honestly diverse in identities. I mean, people right. care about identity politics, but yeah, man, so many people I know of, of racial diversity of, of gender diversity. I mean, even uh, like I think of Blair and, you know, we've got our, like, we've got our token yeah. tranny and everything now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which is very cool. I mean, if you didn't know about the ideas in our head, I think the SJWs would praise our community for how inclusive and diverse it is. However, we're all guilty of wrong things, so we all have to be banned. But, but yet, yeah, rather than the show is a place way. where we've kicked somebody out, you know, yeah. and and anybody can be listened to and looked at, but subscriber count or age or none of that, none of it matters to us. You know, we care about we the care ideas, about ideas, the merits of the ideas, and that's about it. Mm. As opposed to what other circles, feminism, which is full of women with teal hair and, you know what I mean? <laughs> and guys who think they're going to get laid, but aren't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Back to the cucks where we yeah, started. The white nighters. Yeah. 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 That's terrible. Yeah. All right. Well, everyone, uh, we got about five o'clock now, so we're going to wrap it up. Skag three. If you haven't heard of him and you've heard of me, I don't know what the hell's wrong with you. Get on YouTube more often. And go check out Skag's channel down in the link in the description below. Always enjoy that thoughtful discussion <laughs> down below. Ah, oh, my lamp is falling over again. Thanks, yeah. as always, for listening. Yeah. <laughs> that, Appreciate yes, it, man. It was a good time. That was a quick two hours. Chat. Yeah, I know. It was. I, I like it when I meet people who I can just talk to forever. Yeah, which is agreed. Yeah, a few people like that. Alrighty, everybody. Thank you so much for watching. I'll see you next time.